What's up, everyone, and welcome to the School District Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. This is my podcast. I'm the host, and I really hope you enjoy all the conversations I have with educators all over the world. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and share your favorite conversations with colleagues or anyone you think would enjoy. If you're looking for a book to read, I've written four, Kids Deserve It, Run Like a Pirate, Empower Our Girls, and Teachers Deserve It. As you can imagine, they are all available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And big news, we have a new sponsor of the podcast, Just Right Reader. Just Right Reader is the decodable text company for school districts that want to increase reading achievement for their phonics learners. Their books are aligned with the science of reading. They have take home packs. Yes, Just Right Reader takes the reading data from your school districts, give it to Just Right Reader, and then they build take home packs of books for students. Winter break is a great time, spring break, and especially into summer. So kids continue reading all the time, even when they're not in school. Classroom libraries, English and Spanish, they have videos to go with every single book. There's a QR code on the back of every single book that Just Right Reader makes with a video talking about the book and the phonics lesson in that book for each book in English and Spanish. Go to justrightreader.com for all the information. And if you're looking for a keynote speaker or some professional development or a kickoff for your staff, I'd love to work with you. I've given well over 350 keynotes all across North America in 45 states, breakout sessions, coaching, leadership, you name it. I'd love to work with you. You can email me directly at adamwelcome at gmail.com or mradamwelcome.com, my website, for more information about speaking and also my other podcast and blog. All right, my guest for today, Dr. Lupita Hinojosa. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Adam. Thank you for having me here today. I'm excited to join your podcast and most importantly, to share all the great things that are happening here in Spring ISD um, in Texas. Yeah, everybody make sure you're following Spring ISD on social media, Spring ISD underscore super. Dr. Inojosa is always sharing and just connecting and there's awesome videos and just, I think what you're doing in Spring, especially on social media, needs to be replicated, sharing all the amazing golden moments that happen mm -hmm. in schools mm -hmm. and school districts that nobody sees. We have to be sharing uh, more of that with everybody else. But uh, Dr. Inojosa, for the people out there that don't know who you are, just give us a little background and kind of what brought you to Spring ISD as the superintendent. Just kind of give us a little background and bring us up to speed. All right. So my name's Lupita Inojosa. I am the super proud superintendent here in Spring ISD. I've been in education now for about 31, 32 years. I am just starting my second year as the superintendent here in Spring. Um, I have an, uh, I believe, um, an amazing journey and an opportunity for over 30 years of supporting and serving the children here in the Houston area. Um, I started out as a bilingual second grade teacher, and my journey was not to be a, 
a teacher. I actually was in fashion merchandising and uh, management. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Can you believe that? (laughs) Um, But I tell you, so I am from a little town in South Texas called San Benito. My parents are immigrants from Mexico, San Luis and Monterrey. Um, I'm so I'm first generation Mexican-American, had an amazing opportunity provided to me in public education. I really, truly believe that I am here because of the great public education that I received in San Benito. Then I went to University of Texas in Austin, hook them horns for all those (laughs) longhorns out there. I knew that was going to come out. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have to here in Texas. It is about football and it is the University of Texas. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so just coming and, you know, I my um, career was all about business. And I'll tell you, back in 1988, a good friend of mine moved back. We went to university together. She came back to Houston. We met up and she said to me, Lupita, I am teaching your people. So I looked at her like, what are you talking about? She did not speak Spanish, and yet she had learned Spanish to become a bilingual teacher. And at that time, here in Houston, here in Texas, we had the first big wave of immigrants coming in from from Mexico and Central America. I visited her classroom, volunteered for an entire day, and I was hooked. I became a bilingual teacher within a year. I had an amazing employer that gave me the time off to, you know, go back to university. I was at the University of Houston, so go Cougs, and uh, got certified Uh, as a bilingual teacher. My focus was, you know, in in making sure that I was able to provide that education, that amazing education that I received as an elementary student, um, walking into a, a, a classroom where no one spoke Spanish. I was the only one that spoke Spanish. My teacher, everyone spoke English. And and it was it was a very difficult time. My teacher was committed to me learning English, but it was difficult. So as a bilingual teacher, I didn't want children to go through the same challenges and hardships that I went through. And so as a bilingual teacher, I was able to, you know, open the doors of the schools, not only for the students, but also for the families to come in. Um, I've been a principal, an elementary principal, middle school principal. I've had lots of amazing opportunities. And I'll tell you, people along the way um, always ask me, well, Lupita, you know, why move to another position? You know, you were placed there. Why all this? And for me, I see them as opportunities, opportunities to serve, opportunities to learn and grow. I worked in Houston ISD for 20 years and eight years ago, I came to spring um, an opportunity presented itself. I've had the most amazing time here and back on February of 2022, I became the superintendent of Spring ISD. And I'll tell you, it's been, it's been amazing. Our community is one that embraces all, um, a community that believes in education, believes in public education, and supports the students and the schools. So for me, a little girl from immigrant parents in South Texas to be the superintendent of Spring ISD with 34,000 students is just an amazing 
blessing and I am grateful to have um, the opportunity to serve. Yeah, I would say everybody has a story, obviously, but I would say, Lupita, your story is really amazing. I love that, just the journey to get to where you are. So I know that you love kids. I've also heard that you love dogs. Is that is that correct? Can we, can <laughs> oh we just talk goodness. about dogs for a, for a minute? Um, what, what's your favorite dog? Is there like a certain type of dog? I mean, how did that all come about? <laughs> I, I have to tell you, absolutely love dogs and uh, grew up with dogs, okay? So my family... I mean, you know, that was it. I have to tell you, my first personal dog was a little chihuahua. Her name was Tina. And my mom, uh, one of the neighbors, um, knew that I had really bad asthma. And mm -hmm. they believed that chihuahuas cure asthma. Now, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but... We are I not giving out medical advice on the <laughs> podcast about asthma, just to be clear, everybody... <laughs> But I'll tell you, Tina was my very first one. She used to sleep. You know, when you get your um, your attacks, you know, you start mm -hmm. wheezing. Tina would actually come and lay across my chest. And it's like as if she knew yeah. either that I was going to have an attack or that she knew I was in stress. And so I tell you, Tina was my very first uh, dog. I've had so many, but I'll tell you, um, before I became the superintendent, my handle on Twitter, now X, right, yeah. used to be Schuster. And Schuster was because of one of my dogs in uh, November. He will turn 16 years old. Oh, my god! So that gosh. tells you how long I've been on Twitter. Wow. Um, but Schuster was born at my elementary campus. Mm. And uh, we, my first campus was out kind of in the rural area. And so a lot of people used to, you know, come and dump their dogs. And so at Barrick Elementary in Houston ISD, we rescued animals. And oh so God. when you ask me, what's your very favorite animal? It's a rescue. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all my dogs since then uh, have been rescues. I now own three dogs. So Shu, Buddy and Gigi are my three companions that keep me busy when wow. I get home. Wow. Mm -hmm. And shout out to Tina, the very first one that started shout it out. all. Shout, shout out, to, out Tina. to Tina. Lupita, let's talk about let's talk about Spring ISD. I know you have a theme this year, the power of you, power in everyone, just to have an impact on students. And I love how how y'all think. It's it's everyone. It's not just certificated teachers, everyone, bus drivers, paraprofessionals, food service. Uh, what does that power of one mean to you? And how have you seen it? in action in spring you know we've been in school for for a couple months now I'm, you're you're in schools and you're seeing it uh what does that mean to you and just kind of uh how does it look like in action right now in spring mm -hmm. so adam our theme this year is the power of you it is based on a book but you know there's so many books out there that that talk about the power in you it is about believing that you you can make a difference. And in spring, we're, we're a big district. There's so many things happening. As an urban district, there's so many things happening. At the end of the day, what matters is each and every person. You as the teacher have the power within you to educate this child, but most importantly, to make an impact in his or her life. 
as the custodian in this campus, you have the opportunity, you yourself, to make the, the school environment a much better, safer, cleaner place for our children to learn. It doesn't matter what role, uh, responsibility you have together here in spring, 5,200 employees, 5,200 employees, we can make a difference in a child's life. We can make this district the best district possible. We're not looking to someone else to come do the work for us. We're not looking to someone else to provide the answers. We believe, I believe, that it comes from within you. Having that belief that you can and will make a difference and that together we are making it a better district for our children. You know, I, I actually I'm working on a presentation for our principals this Wednesday. And one of the things that I'm talking about is not only joy. We've we've talked about joy and how that joy comes from within and that we want to make sure that our children have that joy of learning just like when we did when we were going to school we had so much fun in school as a teacher i had so much fun in school i want to make sure that we have that joy when we walk into our classrooms or our offices but most importantly hope now i want everyone to think about that i believe that hope is a strategy, is a strategy to not only transform your own life, but the, uh, the life of others. If people have hope, that means we can look towards the future. And it may be that we're looking towards the end of the day, towards tomorrow, towards the end of the month, but it is having that hope and giving that hope to our children, to our colleagues, that things will get better, that there are opportunities for everyone out there. And so it's, 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 it's a way of thinking. It's a mindset. I know we've all read the research on, on, um, Carol Dweck, um, which you want to have that growth mindset. Well, what does that translate to just in regular terms, that growth mindset really means about seeing hope in every child, seeing hope in the work that you're doing, believing that things will get better and that if you stay focused on that work, it will get better, it will improve. And that as an individual, we play a part in this great district and really in this great world of making it better for each and every person that we encounter. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think talking about hope and Carol Dweck and my mindset and growth mindset really leads into my next question perfectly is is goals. How, how would you tell leaders to set goals for themselves and their organization? And then the second part of that question is how often should people and organization look at their goals and then adjust their goals? And I, I asked that Lupita because I feel sometimes people can think one thing and they'll keep trying to achieve it. And if it's not working, they'll keep going and they'll keep going and it's not working, they'll keep going. And you know, we're not saying don't, don't continue, but at some point you got to say, Hey, what are we doing? Let's stop. Let's change. Um, so how do you tell people to think about goals and how often should they really be kind of reassessing them and having conversations about them? 
So goals are important. Again, going back to hope, as you said, you know, goals are really what you hope to accomplish. So I believe in setting short-term goals and long-term goals. So depending on where you are at and, and, and what you are doing, always have a goal. And for me, the short-term goals can be just week-long goals. You know, they say if, if you're, you're trying to exercise, you're not going to say that, you know, you're going to be running, um, you know, a, a, a mile uh, by the end of the week, but you can say, I'm going to run one block tonight. Yep. And yep. then the next day, I'm going to do two blocks and then three blocks. And so you work towards that. But you have to have those short term goals to get you to that long term place you want to be. What's really important is to set that long-term goal. Here in spring, we call it our vision, right? And, and we really set a vision. We cast a vision for five years. Where do we as a district want to be? Where do we want our children to be five years from now? And then we work it backwards, right? What is it that we want to see week one? What is it that we want to see in the first semester, the second semester, first year, second year, and so forth? Um, it is critically important that everybody, anybody, at the end of your week, you spend some time reflecting. So if this week your goal was, you know, for for me to visit classrooms. I want to be able to sit at the end of the week and say, what did I see? Did that align to our goal? If if my goal, if our goal here in Spring ISD is for our students to be reading on or above grade level by the end of the year, at the end of the week, after I visited classrooms, did I see evidence of that? Is the reading program that we are implementing giving me evidence to show that we are going to meet that goal at the end of the year? Now, if that evidence is not there, you need to be able to stop and reflect. Is it something that you're doing or not doing? Is it the program in this case? Is it the reading program that is not giving the opportunity for the teacher to teach what needs to be done? So it is setting and casting that vision. And I always say at least a five-year vision, then working your way back, but having those short-term goals. And for me, I set them at a week at a time. And by that Friday, when everything starts getting quiet, to be able to <laughs> sit and reflect, did we do X that's going to get us closer to where we're going? And if we didn't, let's examine why. And if we need to redirect guess what? You redirect yeah. because every barrier or every challenge is actually an opportunity to get better. Yeah. I love the short-term goals. Like people, I think people, they, they look far out, which is important, mm -hmm. but a week or even a goal in three days is also really important too, because then that allows you, it forces you to adjust. And then when you can build that small habit of that small goal, it actually starts to build into, into bigger things as well. Let's talk about teams. How do you as a superintendent build a team? And then as a principal, as a former principal, a lot of principals listen to this podcast. How would you recommend principals build teams? But just in general, how do you build a team as a leader? 
And, you know, your question when you said, as a principal, how do you build teams? Oh, my goodness. That is the key to a successful school Mm -hmm. is your team and the people that you bring into the team. And so I'll tell you, as an elementary principal, my very first year was very rocky, took over a school that was a failing school. And and I was called in and said, can you do my friend a favor? Can you take over the school? (laughs) I thought it was just summer. You know, I thought, sure, I'll go babysit that school for the summer during summer school. Mm -mm." Oh my gosh. It was, you're going to stay there. And, and, you know, when you come into a situation that a team is already there, you don't have the opportunity to bring your people, Mm -hmm. then the very first step that I would say, whether you're the principal of that school, you're taking over a new department, or me as the superintendent, the teams are already here. Mm -hmm. You are the new one. You're the new person coming in. It's your responsibility to get to know your people because they're already there and whether you like it or not there was already a team before you walked in Mm -hmm. there's already a culture before you walk in so my recommendation is first and foremost stop and realize that and then get to know your people i ended up having an amazing team at that school but i didn't know it because i was taking over a school and you (laughs) automatically believe that it's the worst place to be at, but it was the very best place. Everyone on that at the campus believed in kids. Mm. And so as I met with each teacher individually, as long as I could see that in their heart, in their inner soul, they believed in kids, you're on the team, you're on the team then let's get to work. And how are we going to together find a way to make the school the very best to go from an unacceptable school to an exemplary campus? But it was acknowledging everyone as as an individual that has the ability to contribute. You need to be able to validate what they bring to the table. Now, If you do have the opportunity to build your own team, which I've had that amazing opportunity also, it's allowing the team that's already there, having the opportunity to interview the people that want to join your team, right? Have them interview, have them talk. And then at the end, you have to spend the time again talking to that person. You need to know If at the end of the day, your morals, your ethics, your values line up, and if your morals, ethics, values, your vision that all kids can, if that lines up, they're on the team. Now, you may have different um, uh, ways of being. You know, you may be an eclectic person. You're very global or I'm very focus, very linear. I see the goal. I know where I want to go. You can have different styles of leading, different styles of working. But to me, what's the most important is your values, your ethics, your morals. Do you believe all children can and will? It's that, you know, in you. It's Mm -hmm. that, um, that, you know, desire. In Spanish, we call it Las ganas, you know, do you have that desire within you to do the very best for kids? 
then you're in the team, you're on the team, and then we'll learn how to work together to get where we need to be. But we have the same goal. And that is that all children can and will succeed. Yeah, you have to like kids, you want to, you have to want what is best for kids. And if you don't, then it's uh, probably time to find something else to do. Yeah, kids, <laughs> kids have to have to be the focus uh, 100%. Lupita, who is your favorite non education person to learn from as a leader? Well, you know, I have two favorites. One is, and of course, from the University of Texas and <laughs> the University of Houston, our own Brene Brown, uh, Dr. Brown, uh, you know, uh, grew up here in uh, the Austin, Houston area. She's a long time, you know, started out as a social worker. And in Brene's work is all about people and what makes people tick and she talks about you know having an open heart um she talks about the great possibilities that are out there um she talks about being kind to one another right and you know i have to tell you through the pandemic i discovered her podcast. And I remember, you know, we were online working all day trying to solve how we were going to educate um, children. And at the end of the day, being able to take a walk, just to clear my brain and have her podcast on and be able to hear from others that were going through the same challenges that were also questioning, you know, can we do this? But at the end of the day, it's about humanity. It's about you know, understanding each other and knowing that we all are humans, that we all in this society can um, live together and can learn to be kind to one another and can learn to accept one another. I'll tell you, Brene Brown got me through the pandemic. And, <laughs> you know, I have her book actually sitting somewhere right here, the Atlas of the Heart. That's mm. the last book that I read from her. It is a beautiful um, book. And it is, like she says, a coffee table book. But if you read each one of the quotes, it touches you. And then I have to tell you, the second person that I look to for leadership is my dad. Mm. You know, my dad coming to this country at the age of 16 wow. by himself. Um, and, you know, for me, he's he's such an intelligent, brilliant man that unfortunately was not able to have an education here in the States, but he, and not knowing the language, I can tell you, he did not let that hold him back. And he always told me, uh, you know, you can and you will be successful. Um, in Spanish, he said, mijita, hay tres cosas que nadie te quitará, tu nombre tu palabra y tu educación. So my little daughter, there's three things that no one will ever take mm -hmm. away from you. Your name, your word, and your education. 
And I tell you to this day, he lives by that. I live by that. Again, you know, public education has made a big difference in my life. I wouldn't be here if it were not for public education and my family's life. It has completely changed all of our lives. And I believe that as public educators, we can do the same for the children that that we serve and their families. Yeah. Uh, so again, I told you before the show, Brene Brown is the most talked about person on this podcast. Over 250 episodes. Brene, if you're listening, I would love even 15 minutes of you on the Absolutely. podcast. Oh my gosh. Lupita, we love talking about books on the podcast. Do you have a book, maybe a leadership book that just really has changed your thinking? Or maybe when you, know, when you hire a new principal or somebody at central office, you go, hey, you got to read this book. Is there just that one book that, that is really has been your go-to that really changed you as, as a leader? Oh my goodness. I, th I think, you know, as educators, we have so many books that we, you know, read that we encounter. Um, one book that I'm reading right now, it's the senior leadership teams. Hmm. And it is now as a superintendent looking at at my team that I've been able to assemble the senior leadership team and how do how are we able to do more mm. as a team? Oftentimes as a leader, you think you have to do it all, right? You have to, you know, run the report. You have to review the report. You have to go out and do the work. And in this position, it is all about bringing together high performing teams and then allowing the teams to do their work. Uh, because I am so... Uh, I, gold, I guess I would say, so focused on the details, I've had to learn, I'm working on it, to step back <laughs> and allow the team to do their work. Each one, you know, I've had the opportunity to bring the team together, to have the people that were already here mesh with this new team. And now it's about how do I lead the senior leadership team? Mm -hmm. How do I lead them and empower them? Because together we can do so much more. Um, and so that's the book that I'm reading now. Um, it also replicates in the work that we do as principals, um, because as a principal, we have our leadership teams and we have to take a step back instead of micromanaging and, and trying to do it all, let your teams do that work. And here in spring, you know, I'm so fortunate to have an amazing senior leadership team and have 41 amazing principles mm. as we go through this journey of building our teams, most importantly, to be able to serve the students and families here in Spring ISD. Yeah, it's interesting talking about principals and teams. And I was thinking the other day, I was on an airplane flying somewhere. When I was a principal, there were quite a few people that actually didn't think I did much. And I was like, why did people think that? And I said, you know, for me, like reflecting, I think it was because I didn't do everything. I did what I needed to do and then empowered everybody else. And, you know, sometimes you have to step in or pull back or push, right? It's this constant reprioritization. But I think to just dovetail on what you said is like, if you are doing everything, try to do less because you're not going to build capacity. Everybody listening, if you are trying to do it all. Speaking of books, Lupita, what is the name of your book when you write it? Oh my goodness. What is the name of 
your book when you write it. There are, you know, there is a book, a children's book. I love children's books. And it's called She Persisted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She persisted. And I would have to say, you know, and almost the little engine that could, the little girl that could, uh, I tell you, no one, including myself, um, when they saw this little six-year-old um, Mexican-American, Latina, Hispanic, what you, whatever you want to call me, walking into uh, my elementary school, not speaking a word of English, with parents that came to this country to find a better place for their family, no one, no one, I tell you, would have predicted that I would be sitting here today. And I want that for the children that we serve here in spring, but for the children across the country, across this world. They come to us with so much hope, with so their eyes are so shiny and, and bright. Their families want for them what my parents wanted for me. And, um, you know, don't uh, underestimate the, the, the power of that child. And it is our responsibility to provide them those opportunities and to help them. And so for me, as that little girl walking in, I can tell you exactly what I was wearing that day. Oh, my with gosh. My black patent leather shoes. <laughs> And it was yellow gingham little dress with a white little collar. I was so proud. It was starched. It was ironed. It was, it was, I walked in there holding my mom's hand, holding my brother's hand. And, and they dropped me off in that classroom with a teacher that didn't speak my language, that didn't look like me and children that didn't look like me. Mm. And look, look at where I'm at. And so children have that and it's our responsibility to be able to provide that for them so either yeah. she persisted or the little girl that could that wouldn't give up uh this great some variation tale. of that when you are ready some to write variation. that book you call me I up because i'm going to be your mentor that book <laughs> is actually on sale right now on amazon for ten dollars uh she persisted it's about 13 american women that persisted and then changed the world it's a really really amazing picture book um Lupita, let's say the president calls you and he's like, mm -hmm. Dr. Inahosa, I want you to come to Washington and I want you to be the secretary of education. What do you do? What are your, what are your priorities as that big job? I know you have goals and vision in spring, but how do you, how do you amplify that? Your story is amazing. First generation, all that you've done, we've heard that. How do you, how do you push that to all 50 states across this country? What would you do? Oh my goodness, I'm ready. I'm signed up. I'll be the <laughs> next secretary of education. I'm there. And the first thing I would do would be to fund public education, fund public ed education appropriately, because that has not been done across this country. That's my number one. Number two, you know, 
I would start a tour just mm. like I did here in spring. I, I spent time visiting churches, visiting different organizations, most importantly, visiting my schools to be able to know who the principals were, who the children were, and who the families are. I would do that across the country. I would do a bus tour and just visit small town, rural, big towns to learn about education. At the end of the day, Adam, it's about the children and the teachers and what happens between that teacher and that child. Mm -hmm. So funding school appropriately will give us the opportunity to give the children what they need and give the teachers what they need. Our teachers are coming to school every single day wanting to do the best for the kids, but oftentimes they're met with barriers, not enough funding, not enough resources, not enough guidance, not enough mentors. Do you know that across the country, having a mentor is not a requirement? Mm. So imagine a first-year teacher coming in wanting to do the very best and not having anyone to guide them, to help them, to support them. So there are a lot of things that need to be done, but the most important thing is fun education appropriately, believe in the children and believe in the teachers and the educators that are out there every single day doing the very best. Because you know what? It's about our, our economy. If we do not invest in public education, our economy will not survive. It will definitely not thrive. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I love this great place we live in and yeah. um, I want to see it continue to grow and prosper. Um, and in order to do that, it's public education. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, the secretary of education is not an elected position, but Dr. Inahosa, you have my vote. So hopefully someday that phone, hopefully someday Brene Brown calls me to come on my podcast and a future president calls you to come to Washington. Dr. Inahosa, a big part of this podcast is just amplifying the voices of my guests. So I'm just gonna pass the microphone over to you to close us out. What would you like to say to all the school leaders and educators and everybody that, that listens to this podcast? Mm -hmm. I guess I would say is the powers within you. It's within each one of us to make a difference, regardless of what position, what role, what you are doing today, whether you are in public education as an educator, as a support staff, or whether just you're just a community member, please know that the powers within you, you can change the reality around you. You can invest in our children. Um, I believe that we just need to be kind to one another, have joy in your heart. It's it's how you approach life. Approach it with, you know, as they say, a glass half full, because things will get better. What you are experiencing today may be a challenge, but know that if you keep coming back and working at it, you will succeed. And these challenges are only challenges that are preparing you for the next step that you will occupy. And I tell you, just having lived that experience, having lived that experience as a six-year-old coming into um, education, into public schools, to where I'm at now, the challenges have only made me stronger and has given me a, a 
greater belief in in humanity and in the kindness that we can give to one another and make this a better place. Dr. Lupita Inojosa, Spring ISD Superintendent, Spring ISD underscore super. It is linked in the show notes as well. Everybody listening, make sure you're following all the amazing things they are doing. Hook them horns down in Texas. I knew that was going to come into the podcast (laughs) in some way. I'd done my research on you. I was like, I'm going to get the hook of horns. I know we are. Thank you so much for your time to come on the podcast. We know how busy a schedule is for a superintendent, but thank you for all that you are doing uh, just across education and connecting and inspiring and motivating and um, just really helping people to remember why they're doing what they're doing in education. You know, there's a, there's a lot happening in our our country and it is so it's just so valuable to have people like you Lupita in positions that are doing such great work and then just pushing it out so other people can see and they can listen they're like you know what they're doing that in spring we can do that here and then they're doing it that's that domino butterfly effect and it just Absolutely. that goodness that positivity just uh it breeds positivity everything is contagious and Dr. Inahosa you you are contagious, and uh, I'm uh, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Everybody listening, thank you for all that you do, and I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day. Mil gracias, Adam. This is an amazing opportunity. Del corazón, un abrazo a todos. Just a big hug to everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you.